Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Hey, it's Monique. Welcome back to the podcast or welcome if this is your first time listening. This is the Brown Vegan Podcast, episode 143. And with this show, I love to present veganism from a practical perspective to help everyday people People go vegan in a way that feels good to them. I also love to share overall wellness topics and vegan entrepreneurship topics because this is truly a lifestyle. It's so much more than food. Be sure to come hang out with me on Instagram and YouTube. My handles on both of those platforms is Brown Vegan. So yes, I hope you're having an amazing day. As always, thank you so much for listening to the show. So of course, I'm back with another conversation for you. I have Felicia on the show. Her handle on Instagram is vegan tastes good. And in our conversation, we talk about, of course, why she decided to start a vegan journey, which is, you know, how I start all of my conversations. And then we actually start to dive into this feeling of how veganism can come across as very perfect. And we actually, it's kind of controversial how we talk about some of the things that we've done that doesn't necessarily line up with this illusion of vegans being perfect. And I just think this conversation is so important because a lot of times people don't even give themselves permission to start because they feel like it has to be perfect. And my motto for vegan life is progression over perfection always. And so it was really good to have this conversation with Felicia and to just kind of get the the raw, <laughs> the rawness just talking about some of those things that aren't necessarily shared as openly as they should be in our community as far as the vegan community. And so I really enjoy the fact that we were able to do that. Also in this conversation, we talk about some of her favorite meals that she likes to prepare for her family and the behind the scenes of her opening a restaurant in DC. She gives us all of those details. A very, very good conversation. I absolutely love connecting with Felicia and I cannot wait to eat all of her food when her restaurant opens. So as always, you can find the show notes and everything we mentioned in this conversation at brownvegan.com under episode 143. And so, yes, without further ado, let's go ahead and jump right into the conversation. So for me, I have never been a big meat eater. I will say that my biggest influence came about when I was in middle school. I have a much older cousin who is now no longer with us. 
but he wrote a book called The Nature and Purpose of Disease. And in this book, he just talks about how the things that we eat, as well as our mental health, how it plays a huge part in a lot of the diseases that are out there, and as well as just our health and any type of negative effects that we might have. So he was vegan. And during that time with him writing the book, and then, you know, me just glimpsing through it, I I probably didn't read the book until I got to college. But I ultimately made the decision after just sitting down and talking to him for a whole weekend when he came to visit, like, hey, I'm not going to eat any meat. So I was vegetarian for about a year or a year and a half in middle school. And then after that, between, you know, high school and college, I just slowly started eliminating things because I'm not going to lie. Like I used to like I was picky, but I wasn't like, okay, I'm not eating anything for any type of ethical reasons. My choices for not eating something was because I just didn't like it. So I first said, okay, I'm going to give up pork. I'm not eating pork anymore. Then I said, okay, I'm going to give up red meat, not eating red meat anymore. And then it got to the point where I was like, all right, I'll just, you know, do chicken and turkey only. And I will say that even when I was eating all of these things, I couldn't stand eating anything that had skin, anything that had bones in it. And then after, you know, two or three years of just eating chicken and turkey, I realized that I was kind of forcing myself to eat it. Like if I would ever go out to eat, I would always get the veggie plate or, um, you know, the plate that just had the sides. So I woke up one morning and I just decided like, why am I forcing myself to eat this stuff? Like, I don't even really like it. So I just went in my refrigerator and I got all of my meat. I got like all of the eggs, the cheese and everything that I had. And I just gave some to my mom gave some to my sister. And then the rest of it, I just threw out and I have not had any meat since then. Wow. So in middle school, you said that you started to like do the transition, right? You started to, you know, make some of those shifts in middle school. How did your mom feel about that? Did she accommodate that? Well, to be honest, like I was the one cooking for my family at like the age of 12. Oh, wow. I'm the youngest in my older siblings. It's, it's a significant age difference. So my oldest sister is 14 years older than me. And my other sister is like three or four years older than me. But she had already like moved out of the house by then. And she lived in Texas. So it was just me and my mom. But a lot of times I would just cook for myself because cooking has always been something that I enjoyed. So I told my mom, like, hey, I don't, you know, want to eat meat. And then she completely supported, you know, my decision just because I was pretty much making my own meals anyway, like cooking for me and my mom, because she just, you know, allowed me to go in the kitchen and experiment. And then she would kind of be my taste tester. But I think for me, it was just mostly like eating salad and like doing the veggie plates that I had been eating anyway, because I just like whenever we would go out to eat, my favorite food is mac and cheese. And then I love like vegetables. So that's what I would always get. So nothing really changed. The only difference is my mom would not offer it to me because she knew that I would just say no. Oh, wow. So it was like you just basically just got rid of the meat and were eating all the side dishes anyway. So it wasn't didn't seem like it was a big deal. Exactly. So my mom still ate ate meat and she still does, but not as much as she did before. So took her several years. I'm now 34 
And I was 12 back then. And just now my mom is realizing, hey, maybe I should stop eating meat too. But look, it doesn't matter when, right? When it happens, it happens. Yeah. <laughs> so it doesn't matter I did when not it pressure her or anything. So it was just a decision that, you know, she made by me cooking for her and her realizing kind of the same thing that I did. Yeah. So what was the process as far as you transitioning from eating the dairy and the eggs? Because I feel like a lot of people, they start with the meat and then they kind of just move from there. So what did it look like for you as far as transitioning? You said it was about around what, 2012-ish, around that time? Yeah. Two, well, February of 2012 is when I woke up in the morning and went crazy and threw everything in the refrigerator out. I will say that going vegan now, like in 2021, or even within the past few years, going vegan, it's a much easier transition now than it is than it was for me then. I didn't know that there was a difference between being vegan, vegetarian, or pescatarian. I just thought that everything was just vegetarian. So whenever I stopped eating meat, even though I, I had initially gave up, you know, meat, eggs, dairy, everything, just because I didn't know the difference. I didn't know what I was doing. And I also was raw vegan at that because in my mind, I was like, okay, well, if I'm doing this, like I can't even cook my food because I'm going to destroy all the nutrients in it. So essentially I was raw vegan. I did not know what I was doing. Like when I first became vegan, we didn't have mock meats. We didn't have like dairy-free cheese. We didn't have like any type of egg replacer. So it was not difficult for me because I was determined and my mind was set on it and I was willing to learn and teach myself like how I could accommodate my diet. And of course, since I didn't know what I was doing, I I failed. Well, I wouldn't say that I failed, but I I learned through trial and error. Mm-hmm. So I lost like 15 to 20 pounds because I just didn't know what I was doing. I was eating nothing but raw food wasn't getting the calories that I needed. Like I felt great, but I could obviously see like, okay, something is off and you're not really like, this isn't working. So I started eating dairy and eggs again and I became vegetarian. This is after I like educated myself and I knew that there was a difference between different types of vegetarians and different types of vegans. So I was vegetarian for a few years and then I went back to being vegan. Once I just had the information that I needed and once more things became available and I knew the do's and don'ts, if that's a real thing. Right, right. I I know it's it's objective, right? It's like, what is it for you? Right. Yeah, you know what? This is so relatable. And I think this can, even for my situation, but just for people just listening, because I feel like for me, I also, when I went vegan, I lost a lot of weight, but it was the same thing because I didn't know what the hell I was doing. So I was losing weight because I was trying to figure things out. And that's why I think a lot of times people say when you go vegan, they're like, oh, I look so good. I lost all this weight. But then when you find out how to cook the food and find out what works for you, (laughs) girl, because I know like, I could yo-yo, like I could lose all this weight and I'll do really well. And then when I start eating a lot more, I could still gain the weight just like if I wasn't vegan. So I think that that's probably one of the biggest misconceptions is that when you become vegan, you're going to lose weight and you will initially, but after that, no. (laughs) I think you're just supposed to look, you know, a certain type of weight. But I noticed that since I've been vegan, like 
if I look in the mirror and I, you know, I'm like, man, like you kind of been ODing on the carbs. Like I can, (laughs) it's easier for me to lose weight now or even to just make minor little modifications rather than, you know, how it was whenever I ate meat. So now it's like if I am feeling bloated or if I like I can tell if I eat something and I'm reacting to it and then it will just be like a week or two of me eliminating that thing that might be causing some sort of reaction and then I'm back to normal. Right. So I I think that me going vegan, it wasn't just about I was eating. It's not just because I I know it's a big thing. People were like, oh, are you vegan for the animals? Are you vegan for your health? Like you can you can be both. And I don't think that you should have to choose whether you are vegan for your health or vegan, you know, for the animals, because at the end of the day, like we are animals and we only have one life and we only have one body and we have to take care of ourselves and we have to be aware of completely everything that we are consuming, everything that we are thinking, everything that we are like experiencing in this life as a whole. Yep. Absolutely. Oh my goodness. I love the idea of not being boxed in. I felt like when I first started, I felt like I had to do things a certain way because that was the expectation. Mm. And now years later, I just really just do what works for me. And sometimes things can be, I can be doing it for one reason or another, but I think it just kind of goes back to like your why and making a decision. Cause I know you kind of touched on that initially when you said you made the decision to do it. I think that's so powerful and people really don't talk about that part of it as much, but I guess the bottom line is it's important to just do what works best for you, regardless of what this looks like. Cause I know sometimes when you read blogs or books or be on social media, you find like you have to do things a certain way based on what other people are doing, but Giving yourself the permission to just figure it out on your own is just so, so important. It's very liberating too. Yeah, I think for me, like I am very like, in my mind, I'm like, I did it alone. I had no one to like make a decision for me or nobody telling me like, oh, you should do this. And I think that that is the main difference for me and actually using it as a learning experience and me actually using it as a huge contribution to my own spiritual journey. I feel like that should be the experience for everyone. I think being vegan has kind of evolved into something to where now it's like trendy and people are just, you know, they're doing it because other people are doing it or they're doing it because they do need that extra help and they need something to help them, you know, take control of their life and what it is that they're doing, whether it's their health or, you know, something emotional or physical, mental, whatever. But for individuals now, I can see how it may be challenging because of things like social media and because of these hardcore, you know, vegan police that are out there telling you like, oh, you're not vegan because of this. Like at the end of the day, like do we, I never went around telling people like I'm vegan. And I honestly don't even think that people refer to me as the vegan, like of any group until like (laughs) within the past few years. Otherwise, whenever I went out, like everyone there, like they knew they'll just be like, oh, she doesn't eat meat. And that was it. (laughs) And I didn't get it. And that was it. It was was nothing else. Nobody like, you know, told me like, oh, you're not supposed to be eating honey because you're vegan. And it's like, even now, like, 
I don't know if you've had this experience, but like I moved here in Maryland from Atlanta. When I moved here, my allergies were shot. Like I could not breathe. Like I felt like I was physically like my body was attacking itself. Mm -hmm. And yes, like vegan is, I mean, honey is not vegan, but that was like the only thing that gave me relief. It was like, okay, I can, you know, do like a teaspoon of some local honey, or I can go to my allergist and have them, you know, put me on immunotherapy where I'm having to get injections of antihistamines every month. Yeah. Yeah, I get that. I get that. And I and I have a story for that as well, because my youngest, well, actually my middle son, he has, he had like really severe allergies when he was younger mm-hmm. and I would give him like Claritin and different things like that. But I felt like it really wasn't working. I mean, it was to the point where he didn't even want to go outside because it was so bad. And I got some raw local honey and it cleared it up. I would give him like tea and it would be raw local honey. And I, at the time, I, you know, you, we have this, like we go back and forth. I'm like, had this dilemma, like I can't give him this because it's honey. Mm-hmm. But even though honey isn't like a staple, it's not something that I, of course, consume at all, actually. In that situation, I did for him, you yeah. know? And, and I think that veganism overall is intention. I don't think it's perfection. It's your intention, setting the intention to do your best every day. And I think that people getting caught up in the perfection, you know, being perfect about it is why people don't even try. It kind of reminds me of why people don't really, some people don't go to church or they don't make the decision to be a Christian because they're feeling like they're going to have to be boxed in and do things a certain way. And so they don't even attempt it. It kind of reminds me of that. Yeah. And it's all about, like I said, intention. It's about doing the best you can every day. And I used to be, felt like I had to be perfect and I don't anymore. Yeah, I absolutely agree with you 100% on that. And I think it's a matter of just being aware, like what you know to your knowledge, that is the best that you can do in that moment. When you know better, you do better. And then at the same time, as long as you're not doing anything that's not ethical, like then I, I don't see a problem with it. Like me, I know where my honey comes from because I can literally walk right up the street to the person that is the beekeeper and see the actual hives and they're not like torturing them or anything. Mm -hmm. But sometimes like for the vegan police, like that's not good enough. But for me, that's good enough. And it gives me peace of mind knowing that one, I don't have to suffer. And two, like no animals have to suffer in the process of me not suffering. So I think with the bees, I have not done an extensive you know, amount of research on this, but I think it's more than like the ethics of harming animals because I know, you know how the bees contribute to our ecosystem so much yeah. that, girl, I don't even want to pretend I know <laughs> the ins and outs of that. But I think that it's more than just the, the honey. I know that there's more to it because I know I'm going to get some emails and I'm going to get some messages about this, <laughs> but I know that there's more to it, but I, I just don't think it's something that I know that there's more to it as far as why bees are so important. I mean, because I guess without bees, we are dead. I get it. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I also think that it's just so important to just do the best you can for your situation. And it kind of makes me want to talk about like some of the mishaps that people have. You know how sometimes people like, because you kind of, you kind of touched on that as far as like, you didn't know what you were doing. So you went back to eating eggs and cheese and things like that. And sometimes Mm -hmm. I think that people, because they can't be perfect, they feel like they can't even do the progression. They can't even like start. Yeah. Or they just give up completely. Exactly. So what advice do you have for people that are in that similar situation? 
not everyone can just give up something cold turkey, just like cigarette smokers. You know, whenever they have this addiction or they just have this habit and they're they're in the habit of going through the motions of doing something every day. And I'm saying this because I have a sister. She used to smoke cigarettes and I know how hard it was for her to quit. Like even like knowing how bad she wanted to quit, but just knowing and seeing how hard it was for her. And because every time that she tried to quit, she was just she would just do it cold turkey. But the best advice that I would give to people is go at your own pace and what you are comfortable with. Start off with something as simple as Meatless Monday. There are plenty of restaurants that, you know, participate in Meatless Monday. And Meatless Monday could be as simple as you making your meal, but leaving out that main portion, which might be a piece of chicken or a piece of steak. And then maybe make that two days a week instead of just you know, going completely off of meat, dairy and eggs and everything. Do what you are comfortable with, because even those individuals out there who are just only participating in Meatless Monday, don't let anyone tell you that that is not enough. Like it is enough for you to take that first step and do that in making a difference. And even if that's your choice and you saying, hey, I still, you know, want to eat meat or I feel like I'm not ready. Don't let other people's opinions or their expectations discourage you from your journey. You take your time and you will have your epiphany whenever that moment comes. And if you do fall off and if you do have a day where, you know, you give in to your temptation and you go out and get some hot wings like that's okay but don't let that throw you off track like get your hot wings and feel however you want to feel about it there may be some guilt there may not be guilt but just always make sure that you keep your mind on where you want to go with it and where you want to be mm-hmm. yes, yes. you really have to like stop taking the opinions of others so personally. Absolutely. Yeah. Don't let it distract you from your purpose. No one's perfect. Nope. Not at all. (laughs) It's Monique hopping in to thank Ruby for sponsoring this episode of the show. So there's a few things you need to think about when you decide that you want to go vegan and cooking is one of it. It's actually a huge part of it. But don't feel discouraged if you're not cooking much now. I actually didn't cook a lot before I became vegan. But the cool thing about Ruby is that they make cooking less intimidating. They're the leading online culinary school that specializes in plant-based instruction and they teach over 650,000 students worldwide. Of course, we know we can find recipes on any website, but Ruby is much different than that because they have industry leading chef instructors that provide you with core techniques behind plant based cooking. So you'll finish with the knowledge and the confidence to live a sustainable and delicious plant based lifestyle. It's all about techniques and quality recipes with them. Their chef instructors provide you with personalized feedback on your assignments and they're available for Q&A if you need additional assistance. 
The cool thing about Ruby is they do have different levels based on your needs. So if you're brand new to cooking, I recommend starting with the introduction to plant-based cooking course. They have lessons on stocking your pantry, knife skills, plant-based nutrition, and basic cooking methods. But if you're someone who knows your way around the kitchen, but you're not the most confident about plant-based cooking, I recommend that you try their plant-based pro course. They recently updated it with over 25 hours of new content, including lessons on bread making and grilling. Whichever level you decide to choose, Ruby's Culinary School is affordable, it's 100% online for your convenience, and they offer high-quality videos and assessments. So all you need to do now is visit ruby.com slash brownvegan to learn more about their courses and also to sign up for a 14-day trial. Once again, that's ruby, R-O-U-X-B-E dot com slash brownvegan. Let's talk about, because I know, of course, you love to cook. What are some of your inspirations as far as like, what are some of your, I guess, let's start with what are some of your favorite dishes? Like, what do you enjoy making for your family? I can tell you what I don't enjoy making. I am not like, I'm horrible with math and science. So I am not like one of those people that likes to bake. I mean, I love to eat baked goods, but I can't make them. But my favorite things to make are just... Anything that an individual may feel like they're giving up, me like taking that as a challenge, like, nope, you don't have to give it up. Matter of fact, I'm going to make a vegan version of that. No matter what it is, like that is my favorite thing. So I can't say that it's been, you know, one thing in particular, but it like in my family, it's six of us. Three are vegan and three are not vegan. But we do not have any meat or dairy or animal products in our house. Okay. So you really do have to veganize like all of the favorite meals so that people will actually eat it. (laughs) That's what it sounds like. (laughs) Exactly. So I did that for a while, but I think now it's gotten to the point where I don't have to do that. Like I can just go in the kitchen and make something like if I'm just saying, okay, we're going to have like a little struggle meal spaghetti today. I can, you know, make something, but like kind of jazz it up with, you know, some veggies, sun-dried tomatoes, some fresh herbs because we grow our own herbs and like just make it amazing. But I think once they just got in the habit like, oh, vegan food actually does taste good and I'm not having to give up my hot wings because I have this vegan version of hot wings. And I know that's like controversial and people are going to hear that. They're going to be like, no, you can't. There's no replacement. There's no such thing as vegan hot wings. But I stand by what I said. Ah, okay. So what, what, look, talk about those vegan hot wings. Cause I know the, they get you, they come for you on TikTok when you go on there and you yes. make, <laughs> what did you do? It was a fish, right? Did you do like a fish? I did. So pineapple vegan, shout out to Brittany. She did a banana, like fried banana blossom. And it was like a vegan catfish recipe. So I saw that she made it. And then I kept saying, man, I want to try that. Then my husband, he's like, man, my favorite thing that I used to eat whenever, you know, before I came vegan was like fried catfish. I was like, you know what? There's a recipe for it. Let me go ahead and make it. So I made it and it like went viral on TikTok. And then of course the haters started to come out. They're like, why are you calling it catfish? That's banana blossom. I'm like, clearly it's banana blossom because I held up a can of banana blossom (laughs) in the thing. 
But like as much as people were going in, there were people who were vegan and even people who are not vegan who were replying for me. And I didn't even have to say anything. Like sometimes like I'll be like, okay, I got time today and I would reply. But then other times, like I didn't have to say anything at all. And I like that's what I can appreciate about being vegan now, because even those who are making the decision to like say like, nah, I can't give up my meat. They're so open minded. Yep. So what about the hot wings? What's the base for that? So really, it comes down to the sauce. And I know for me, whenever I stopped eating meat and I would crave like hot wings, like hot hot wing cravings, like that's a thing. Like mm-hmm. it, it really is a thing, especially if you're from the like Atlanta or the South, like a hot wing craving is a thing. But really, it boils down to the sauce, which is essentially just butter, hot sauce, or if you're doing lemon pepper, like a little bit of butter, lemon pepper seasoning, and like a little bit of olive oil, like for the oily consistency. But I like to mix those two together, the hot wing seasoning or mild sauce as we call it, or spicy, and the lemon pepper, or you can just sprinkle lemon pepper sprinkles on top of it. But the brands that I've used that have given me the best results are Daring Foods. They have like these fried chicken tenders and they're honestly like almost shaped like wings. There's just no bone in it. And then I also make like my own jackfruit nuggets. So I'll go to Trader Joe's and then like, you know, prep my jackfruit chunks just like I would, you know, regular chicken as far as, well, first squeezing the brine out of it and then letting it marinate inside of my milk and my seasonings and then frying it up with, you know, flour and then tossing it inside of my sauce. So it's more like boneless wings. I know that's a whole nother conversation for people (laughs) who say that boneless wings aren't wings, but essentially that's what it is. Yeah. Yeah. I love daring. They do a really good job with the texture. I know the first time I had it, I was like, wait a minute. Right. Have to go the bag again. Like what is going on? So yeah, they make a good vegan chicken. (laughs) So let's talk about like, because I know you mentioned coming from Atlanta to the, well, the DC area, because you're in Maryland and Laurel out in that way. Mm -hmm. So I want to talk about like how you went from the pop-ups, because I know you did a lot of the pop-ups and events. I used to look at on your Instagram, like some of the previous events before COVID, how you would have like the kind of like the... It looks like you would have events as far as people would eat and sip. And then now, of course, you're going to be opening up a restaurant this year in D.C. So how did you start with the pop ups? And then we'll go ahead and start talking about the restaurant. So like, how did that look for you? Like, why did you decide to start offering those events? Was it for vegans or was it for vegan curious people? Like, who were you trying to make that for? So my events were just for everyone. I would have people reach out to me all the time asking me for recipes or even people just saying, man, I want to be vegan and it looks so good, but I just can't do it. And people even asking me like, oh, do you do meal prep? Once upon a time, like a long time ago, back in 2014, 2015, 2016, I did have a company called Jupiter Juice, which was a juice and meal prep business. And after doing that and like just being completely drained, I was like, I will never meal prep ever again. But now look at me like offering meal prep at my restaurant. (laughs) But just from that experience and knowing that people genuinely have an interest in vegan cuisine and actually wanting to do it for themselves. I was like, let me just go ahead and do a small little cooking class. 
you know, just something small scale. And, you know, whoever wants to come, I'll just show them how to make something simple. But and that won't take long, but taste amazing to where they can take this home and, but, you know, learn several different things, like learn how to make four different sauces and turn one dish into like three different things. So I just put out a flyer for an event and it sold out like within a day. And then after that, I was like, okay, maybe I'll open it up to more people and just get a bigger venue. So I opened it up and then it sold out once again. So I was like, people actually, you know, care and like want to involve themselves in learning to cook vegan. So I will say that at my events, I would usually have between 20 and 25 people. About 90% of the individuals that would come to my events were not vegan. And that made me so happy. So that's what made me want to continue doing the events and just making it fun to where it wasn't like, okay, it's just a cooking class and you're coming in and I'm teaching you how to make something, but more so conversational. So the way that I would begin my classes, every we would all introduce ourselves and I will say, you know, let me know why you are here. Let me know, you know, are you vegan? Are you not vegan? What are you wanting to do as far as you know, your journey with vegan foods, or are you just simply here because you're curious? And it was just a safe space to where nobody felt judged. There was no right or a wrong answer with anyone's responses. If anyone had any questions or if they had like any follow-up questions, it was really like a support group where they can get the information that they needed as well as have fun and talk to people who do have experience with a vegan diet. And then also talk to people who are kind of transitioning or people who said, like, I won't trans- transition. But then after the class, they're like, this is something that I could totally do. But just everyone with different ideas and everyone on different parts of their journey coming together and knowing that this is where I am now, but I know where I want to go and where I want to be in this. Yeah, that is amazing. I love it. I love when we're able to like show people who were maybe curious or even not even curious or not vegan at all, like how this looks, because then they're, it plants to see, because even if they don't do anything right away, they'll have that good experience to reflect on. And then they'll um, eventually make some shifts, even if it's not completely vegan, at least they'll eat more vegetables or be more open-minded about making some changes. So I love that. And it was little things like, you know, they would come up. There are people, I'm one of those people ever since, you know, even before 2012, I've always looked at the ingredients on everything that I buy. And you would be surprised by people who just like get in the habit of going in the stores and, you know, picking up stuff. So it was little things and little pointers of advice that I would give them. Like when you're going to the store, one of the things that can help you is, you know, try to avoid the inside aisles. So they're like, oh, I never really thought about that. I'm like, when you're going to a store and you're looking at the inside aisles, like what is usually there? And then letting them answer the question, they're like, yes, vendor processed food or, you know, prepackaged stuff. I'm like, okay, and what's on the outside aisles? They're like, you know, your fruits, the veggies and, you know, stuff like that. Or even, you know, with all of the ingredients that I had, even though I gave them like, you know, their own little portions for whatever it is that we were making, I had like all of the bottles of everything that I bought. So that way they could come up. I'll say, you know, everybody come up and look at the bottle and look at the ingredients. And then they're looking at it. They're like, man, I didn't even know that this was vegan. I'm like, exactly. So Mm -hmm. you think that being vegan is hard because you don't know what to look for, but this is like one simple thing that you can do when you go to the store 
and you're picking up something like, you know, as simple as a sauce by looking at it and saying, okay, it says at the bottom that there's milk and eggs in it. Let me not get that. Mm-hmm. So what made you decide to open up a restaurant? I know you will be opening up probably within the next 30 days or so. I know because this is a podcast episode. People can listen to this a year from now and by then you'll, of course, be open. So what made you decide to open up a space in D.C. to give out all of your amazing food soon? So what, what inspired that as you came up this way? Everybody kept telling me to do it. So I did it. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Like, I'm laughing, but it's kind of the truth. I've always wanted to open up a restaurant. Like, both of my parents, they had two restaurants. And I just remember, like, working there and, like, helping them cook. And it was always exciting for me. And then just, like, engaging with the people who were there and knowing, even though it was my parents' restaurant, I did a lot of cooking. And then, like, just being able to take, like, feedback on what it is that people like, what is it that I can like improve or what things can I change to like make this amazing. And then just seeing like people happy with the food that I make. Cooking has always been a passion of mine ever since I was 12 years old. And I was going to continue doing the cooking classes and the pop-up experiences in Atlanta, but whenever I got married in January and then I moved out here to the DMV back in May, just an opportunity presented itself and I have the universe to thank for it. It literally presented itself like in my inbox because I was going to open up a restaurant in Atlanta and then COVID happened and I just wasn't comfortable like, you know, Is this something that I can do while it's COVID and still be able to get customers? And like, I just, there was too much anxiety around it and it didn't feel right, which to me is a sign from the universe that it was not my time, but Mm -hmm. also put it in my head that, okay, like this is still very possible, but this is just not the place where you need to do it. So whenever I moved to the DMV, the exact same opportunity presented itself with Cloud Kitchen. And it wasn't me going out and looking for it. I literally received a message in my inbox like, hey, we're opening up a cloud kitchen in D.C. And what are you interested? And at first I was just like, I don't know. But then immediately that thought changed. Like it wasn't the time then when you were in Atlanta, like it it felt right. Like it felt like everything aligned. And even though this process has been very long because DC is very special. (laughs) I will say that it has mentally, emotionally, and physically prepared me for all of the greatness that I know is to come. Just because I like have family and I have friends and they come over, I'm like, there's going to be on my menu, taste this. And I know that they're the type, especially kids, because y'all know kids don't lie. Mm -hmm. I'm like, taste this and tell me what you think. And if they're like, nah, I'm not feeling this, then like it's been scrapped and I'm not putting it on there. Like regardless of if they don't like it, just because, you know, they're kids and they're picky. Like for me, I'm just like, there are people out there that are just like you. So let me not even go that route. But yeah, I think that DC is a great choice. There's lots of great vegan options out here. And I spend, I will say, a majority of my free time just 
having that experience of eating all of the delicious vegan food out here and giving them all of my money. So I'm hoping <laughs> that people will do the same for me. <laughs> definitely. I can't wait to you open because I'm definitely going to come through and eat up everything <laughs> when you do. I like how actually, you know what? I can't even really come through. Like you have to explain that to me because I know you told me before that is basically more of a DoorDash type situation. So it's not going to be sit down, right? So it will. You will. Oh, have- You will have the option. So Ivy City Food Hall is an Ivy City, of course, but it's basically like a food hall, but everything is virtual. So you can go in and you can place an order at a kiosk and then your food will be delivered to you. So you can eat your food there. You can take it home. But it's also available if you want to order like on DoorDash, Grubhub or directly through my website as well. So you just won't be able to, I mean, if you hit me up on IG and I get your message and I'll come out, come down and say, hey, but it's not just my restaurant. It's like a bunch of food curators that have a space to have their own restaurant, but yes. not a physical restaurant where you can, you know, have like a waiter and a waitress and busboys and all of that. But I think this is so smart. I think this is so smart. And also, I feel like your overhead is probably so much better. Yeah. With COVID and everything and with just expenses and trying to keep all of that, you know, down, I feel like even with the uncertainty of, you know, COVID, I I can't imagine things locking down at this point. But then again, like we never know anything can happen. I just feel like it's good for me and what it is that I'm wanting for the moment, I feel like it, it'll be a good experience for me to kind of use this as my test kitchen because mm-hmm. I will have a rotating menu. And yeah. hopefully, you know, within the next year or two, I will be opening up my my actual restaurant with menus based off of what does well with Vegan Taste Good DC at Ivy City Food Hall. I love this vision. Okay. I absolutely love this because this is just a great way because I feel like restaurants, first of all, like you said, the DC scene with vegan food is great, but I feel like because restaurants fail, have such a high rate of failure that this is so smart to test everything this way and then use this money to help, I guess, fund your actual brick and mortar, your own brick and mortar. So I think this is just genius. It's really smart. Yeah. What are some of the things you plan on putting on this rotating menu? And of course it's rotating, but what are some of the things that you probably plan on having on there that you think will do well? So what I found to be the main items that have kind of been the itching ones where people have been sending me messages who have obviously tried it just saying, you absolutely have to have this on your, on your menu. And then just also off of my own personal favorites or favorites of my family or favorites of, you know, my friends or even things from events that I've done. I have a mac and cheese bowl menu. So when it's rotating, it'll be different flavors of mac and cheese that you'll see every other week. So for the first menu, that'll be coming out. And if you go to my Instagram, vegantastegood.dc, you'll be able to see the first set of menus that'll be available within the next 30 days. But there's a plant burger helper, which is pretty much like hamburger helper, childhood favorite, but it's vegan. And then there's a broccoli and cheddar because broccoli and cheddar 
goes perfectly together. Mm-hmm. And then there's a seafood mac, which has lobster, mushroom, vegan shrimp, and it has a shrimp scampi sauce with shredded parmesan and parsley and garlic on top. And then there's also a buffalo chicken mac and cheese, which is topped with buffalo chicken or not, well, topped with buffalo chicken, but it has a buffalo sauce and ranch drizzle with blue cheese. (laughs) That's just for the mac and cheese menu. And then, of course, there's shrimp scampi, there's barbecue ribs, there's different type of kale salads and wraps jackfruit tuna there's barbecue tofu and i know when people hear tofu they're like oh i don't like to i did not like tofu until like two months ago whenever i started testing things with this kitchen and the key is to use a tofu press to get all of the liquid out and the texture is perfect so i hope to give people a good tofu experience and then i also have a brunch menu as well with chicken and waffles loaded oatmeal bowls i'll have like sea moss smoothies and regular smoothies, protein shakes, sourdough French toast with fruit. So just everything that you can think of without it necessarily being all over the place. I feel like everything goes, but brunch will be available on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And then dinner will be available only on Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Mm, I love this. This is so exciting. I'm really looking forward to just seeing your business grow and once DC stopped planning, your face is going to be open. <laughs> yes, DC. Like, I will say that if you can get through inspections and if you can get through getting your business license and your registration, if you can get through that process in DC, you can, you can do it anywhere because this uh-huh. is the most difficult process that I have ever had. I mean, I've done everything that I'm supposed to do, but it's definitely been a long road and I definitely think that I will make a whole PDF document to help others because <laughs> this has just been crazy. Yeah, you should. You definitely should. So yes, Felicia, this has been a pleasure. I really enjoy getting to know you and I hope that you can open really, really soon so I can come eat. <laughs> but either way, I'm going to come and support for sure. Let us know where we can, if we're in the DC area, where we can come and support you once the restaurant is open. Yeah. And also how to follow you on social media. Yes. So the restaurant is at 2005th Street Northeast in Washington, D.C., Ivy City Food Hall. You can follow my vegantastegood.dc page for the restaurant, Vegan Taste Good for my blog page, or you can visit www.vegantastegooddc.com and order to look at the menu updates and then also subscribe. So that way you can be the first one to know about any upcoming events that we have, as well as be able to get discounts and a firsthand look at what will be on the upcoming menus. Yes. Thank you so, so much for being on the show. I'll make sure that I include everything on the blog post for this episode so that people can click through and support. So yes, thank you again for your time, Felicia. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And sending so much peace to you, love and prosperity. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the show. If you're enjoying the podcast, be sure to rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts to make it easy for others to find us. Also, tell a friend. Be sure to share the episode on your Instagram stories and tag Brown Vegan. Thank you so much for your support, and I'll talk to you next week. Every year, one thing is always predictable. Postage costs go up. 
Stamps.com gives you crazy discounts for up to 89% off USPS and UPS services, so your business will barely notice the change. Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses just like yours. It's like your own personal post office. No lines, no traffic, no waiting. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.